Chapter Twenty Four of Meg of Mystery Mountain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meg of Mystery Mountain by Grace May North. Chapter Twenty Four. Julie and Gerald Lost. It was nearly noon when Dan returned to the cabin. He gave a long whistle of astonishment when he saw the disordered living-room and heard no one around. Jane at once appeared in her doorway. Her face still showed evidence of her anger. "'Dan,' she said coldly, "'my trunks are all packed. Please put out a flag or whatever you should do to stop the stage. It passes about one, does it not, on the way to Redford's?' The lad went to the girl with outstretched hands. "'Jane, dear, what happened?' have you and the children had more trouble is it so hard for you to love them and be patient with their playfulness you know it is nothing more the girl's lips curled scornfully love them she repeated coldly i feel far more as if i hated them i don't believe love is possible to me i even hate myself dan there's something all wrong with me and i'm going back east to mary who is about the only person living who can understand me there was an expression of tender rebuke in the grey eyes that were gazing at her you are wrong the lad said seriously father and i love you dearly not only because we know that you are different from what you seem to be but for mother's sake then turning and glancing again at the confusion the lad said tell me what happened jane did so adding petulantly my head was beginning to ache i had had an unpleasant encounter with your meg heger dan felt a sudden leaping of his heart how strange he thought that for the first time in his life the name of a girl should so affect him he had heard of love at first sight but he had never believed in it with an effort again he listened to jane's indignant outpouring of words don't say i deserved such treatment she protested no one knows it better than i do i acknowledge that i am despicable and i hate myself honestly dan i do but i don't know how to change i don't seem to really want to be different that's just it jane the boy had grown very serious just as soon as you desire to be different you will at once begin to change we are the sculptors of our own characters we can set before ourselves a model of what we would like to be and carve accordingly then as the clock was striking twelve the lad suddenly inquired jane when did all this trouble with the children occur i left at nine you think it was about an hour after that the girl nodded then glancing out of the wide front door she exclaimed i wonder why they don't come back i supposed of course that they had gone to find you gerald knew where you were going didn't he dan shook his head he could not have known for i did not myself yesterday and the day before i climbed up to the rim rock and planned doing it every morning as a strength restorative measure but to-day after we had been wondering how we were to get to the packard ranch i thought i would cross the mountain to the other side and look down into the valley and see if i could see how much nearer the trail which jane sawyer took on sunday but i found it would be much too rough and hard for you and so we will wait until we receive directions from mr packard if you will prepare the lunch i will go out and put up the white flag surely mr wallace will know that i wish to speak to him then i will call the children to come home they may be close but since you told them that you wished you would never see them again they are probably hiding hoping that you woke to go on the afternoon stage jane was indeed miserable her flaring anger had often caused her to say things that afterwards she deeply repented perhaps if i would go with you and call they would know i did not mean all that i said she ventured but dan was insistent that she at least prepare a lunch for herself you must not start for the east without having a good hearty noon meal he told her 
As he spoke, he was fastening an old pillowcase to a pole. Leaving the house, he placed it at the top of the stairwell. Then, going to the brook, he began a series of halloos, but a hollow, distant echo was all that responded. Dan, after a fruitless effort to call the children, returned to the cabin, his face ashen white. "'Jane,' he said, and his voice was almost harsh, "'you will have to attend to the stopping of the stage, if it comes soon. "'Mr. Wallace can carry your baggage down without any assistance. "'I am going to hunt for those poor little youngsters who felt that they were turned out of their home. "'Good-bye.' "'Jane, with a low cry of agony, leaped forward with arms outstretched, "'but Dan had not given her another look, and by the time she reached the brook he was out of sight. "'The girl sat down on a boulder and sobbed bitterly.' "'If they're lost, I shall never forgive myself. "'Oh, how selfish, how unkind I've been, "'thinking only of Jane Abbott and her comfort. "'I can't go away now and not know what has become of Julie and Gerald.' "'Then another thought caused her to rise and go slowly to the cabin. "'They all want me to go, all of them, even Dan. "'Perhaps it would be the best thing for me to do, "'and when they come back they will be glad to find that I have gone.' "'Almost unconsciously, Jane began to put the living room in order.' She smoothed rugs and dragged the heavy furniture into the places it had formerly occupied. Then she went to the kitchen to prepare lunch. If Julie and Gerald had been climbing the mountains all morning, they would be starved, as she well knew. Again, Jane Abbott pared potatoes, and after studying upon the subject for some moments, she made a fire in the stove and put on a kettle of water. In the midst of these preparations, she was startled by a shrill blast of the horn carried by the stage-driver. "'Oh, she could not go just then. She was nowhere near ready.' Jane snatched up a letter that she had written that morning to Mary, and hurried down the stone steps. The surly driver took it with a grunt, which seemed to express displeasure, although, as Jane knew, taking the mail down to the town was one of his duties. When the big creaking stage had rocked around the corner, Jane suddenly felt as though a great load had been lifted from her heart. She had not really wanted to go at all. She wanted to be sure that all was well with the children, and more than that, she did so want to see Jean Sawyer again. But her pleasure was short-lived, for, with a sense of oppression, she again recalled that they would all be disappointed to find her there, even Dan. As the water in the tea-kettle had not yet started to boil, Jane went into her room to change her dress to one more suitable for the work she had undertaken. Upon opening her trunk she saw, lying on top, a miniature picture delicately coloured in a dainty frame of silver filigree. The girl lifted it, and looked long into the truly beautiful face. Then, with a half-sob, she said aloud, "'My mother!' Instantly she recalled what Dan had said. "'We are each of us sculptors of our own characters. We can choose a model and carve ourselves like it.' The girl sank on her knees, and the picture held close to her cheek. "'Oh, mother, mother,' she sobbed, i choose you for my model. Help me. I'm sure you can help me be more like you.' A strange sense of strength came to her as she arose. She had been struggling without a definite goal. She had known, the small voice within her had told her, that she was despicable. But she had not found a way to change. But surely Dan's suggestion would help her. She clearly remembered her mother, gentle, courageous, and always loving. With infinite tenderness, Jane again addressed the miniature. "'Oh, mother, if only you had lived, you would have helped me carve a character more lovely. But alone I have made it an ugly thing. But now, dearest one, I'll begin all over.' But even as the girl spoke, she feared it might be too late to ask Julie and Gerald to forgive her and try to love her. End of chapter 24